How you, about you record what you want to say? Yeah. I'll record what I want to say, and we'll just like blend them together. Wait, at, I'll, I'll email you the file. That way you don't have to meet in person for the Touch Them All podcast anymore. It'll be great. This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PB Army, ASAP. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Touch Em All podcast. Phil Mackey here, Derek Wetmore, hanging out. Uh, in fact, Derek just posted to 1500ESPN.com if you want. This can be a follow-along episode. If you want, if you will queue up the podcast to the one minute and 45 second mark or something like that, and uh, and then go find Derek's column on our website, the 25-man roster projection as uh, spring training appears closer here, like three weeks up on the horizon. We're going to not go over position by position. I just have a question based on your 25-man roster projection and also looking at the official Minnesota Twins Unofficial depth chart. It's like officially unofficial because <laughs> yeah. it's on their website. Yes. Everything looks very similar to a certain 103 loss team that uh, I came to be familiar with last year, except for changing out the old catcher for a pitch framer and uh, maybe a couple new additions just based on uh, injuries and things like that to the starting rotation if Trevor May becomes a starter. Here's my question Did the Twins have an obligation? to change this 103-loss roster more than they did if the offseason were to end today? No. This okay. is a quick answer. Um, I, and it's a hard one, right, because this goes to the question of are you trying to win games in 2017 or are you trying to win a World Series at some point in the next five years or are you trying to sell tickets or are you trying to impress sponsors? Like what? what's your objective if you're running a Major League Baseball team? And if I'm Derek Falvey, I basically don't care about any of those things except for trying to win a World Series in the next five years. Um, That'd be something I'd try to build toward. And I think that the Twins reasonably could be expected to try to build towards that if their young core pans out the way that you hope if you're the Twins. Um, The winning games this year, I don't know that they owe that to anybody. Like, is it bad business? For sure. Yeah, definitely. Like, they're going to get hurt on season ticket renewals. I mean, Gopher football has more buzz times 10 right now than Twins baseball. In fact, just, okay, just for fun, mm-hmm. I was on Instagram yesterday, and I posted, here's another cheap plug, I posted a link to the Harbaugh Society podcast, which, by the way, it's 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 a new podcast series. I just pumped it out over the last uh, five months or so. I listened to the Jeff Passan episode. Very good. Baseball storytelling, stuff. Harbaugh Society. Check it out. So in my tagging of the message, I went and found in, in the hashtags autofill. You can put hashtag and then you want to uh, you can search through those hashtags and that's how you get discovered on Instagram. And I typed in hashtag Minnesota Twins, 
and there are only like 20,000 posts under right. the Minnesota Twins tag. If you go to Vikings or Chicago Cubs, we're talking tens of hundreds of thousands and even millions of posts. So not that that's like the most accurate barometer, but nobody is talking about the Twins right now. Yeah. And I agree that you should never make decisions based off ticket sales or marketing because the ultimate form of marketing is to just win games mm-hmm. and put together a fun product that people can watch on a nightly basis and expect to be in the standings. But I just kind of wonder as you look up and down, like Byung-Ho Park is your DH right now. Not mine. Or, or Kenny Vargas maybe. Go. But even he's about 26 <laughs> yeah. years old and who yeah, knows. Yeah, coin flip at no, best. Your bullpen, Brandon Kinsler is your closer right now because Glenn Perkins still hasn't thrown off a mound, I don't think, in Fort Myers. Michael Tonkin is still like your sixth or seventh inning guy. Was there an addition here or there that you could, whether it was to help this year's team or someone that you could bring in that might be exciting like a Mike Napoli or a Jose Batista or somebody that you could spin off at the trade deadline? I don't know. I just, I'm torn on this because I feel like to go into the season with basically the same roster as as you had when you lost 103 games yeah. is uh it's it's a really tough notion to sell me. Three three thoughts on this and one of them's just rhetorical. Couldn't you still sign Mike Napoli? Of course. All right. He's Moving. still out there. Chris Carter is still out there. Yeah. The guy hit like 40 bombs last yeah. year. Yeah. And then got what? Non-tender. Right? Yeah. Like that's incredible to me how much we've we've sort of swung in the opposite direction that home runs don't matter. But um my my two other thoughts on what you just said. One is, do you have an obligation? And the, the like, messy answer is you're probably hoping for a bounce back if you're the Twins. You're hoping for a lot of different players to be better. I think you can expect more from Miguel Sano. You can expect more from Jorge Polanco. I think you can expect more from behind the plate. Jason Castro, if there's a platoon situation going on there, something that could be... A, a nice little find for the Twins. I think you expect more out of Max Kepler, despite a very fine rookie season. I think he takes another step. Everyone, like, we get caught up in this idea that, like, oh, well, sophomore slump. But, like, let's stop pretending that narratives rule the day because what actually happens is that over time, players get more experienced, and generally speaking, they get better until they sort of reach their height. Yeah, pitchers get to adjust. They get to see now the game plan against Max Kepler and try and exploit his weaknesses. But let's wait and see if he can respond to those adjustments, adjust himself, and continue to become a, yeah. you know, a great uh, outfielder for the Twins. I, I've i said this before, and I'm not backing off it. I think Kepler will make multiple All-Star games. Like, that, that's not like that big of a stretch in my mind. I mean, I, he, it's possible. Buxton's the toolsiest player of, of the Sano, of the position players we're talking about, Polanco. Yeah. Max Kepler, when it's all said and done, might be the best. He Maybe. might he might be better than Miguel Sano. He can play some some defense that Miguel Sano really hasn't shown to this point. Maybe um, probably has more power long term than a Jorge Polanco. Mm-hmm. Isn't going to steal the bases or or have the five tool upside of a Byron Buxton. But I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on the Max Kepler long term bandwagon. Steady. He is just solid. Like if you're comparing it, I you know if you want to go back different players. So don't try to say Wetmore compared him to this guy. But if you go back and you say Maurer, Morneau. Kubel Kadir, whatever, whatever your group was, like if Kepler's your Kadir, like he's just a really good player, and if he's your third or fourth best player, like you got a lineup. He actually reminds me a little bit of uh, Morno stylistically, sure. just that oh, left-handed yeah. swing totally. and uh, quiet, lo- lo- straight up and down in the lefty batter box, line drives that, that mm-hmm. travel forever. 
Um, I, uh, all right, I'll say this. Let, let me finish my last oh, point ahead. because there are other guys I think you could expect a big step forward from, and that's not just rose-colored glasses. Like Buxton, what he showed you in September, he's not he's not necessarily going to be that guy. I think, I mean, that's superstar caliber, but if he's somewhere in between superstar and the train wreck we saw for the first part of the season in 2016, there's some real improvement that the Twins made without spending any money. So that's just to say the roster doesn't look a lot different, but that's not to say that they can't improve in 2017. So I agree. I also think it's overly hopeful to just pick out all of these players that you think are on, sure. a, on a trajectory and For just sure. assume that they're all going to take that step forward. Um, so you, even if most of them do take a step forward, you're not stepping from 103 losses to uh, 103 wins. So if if there was any ambiguity over what the strategy was for this front office coming in here, if you thought when they took the jobs back in October or November, man, they're going to overhaul this thing in the offseason. I wonder how many players are going to be swapped out. Well, the answer is long-term build, obviously. I mean, if, if, they, if they were in the markets, if they really wanted to, if they were just being fully honest and realistic and wanted to make as quick of a turnaround as they possibly could, Byung-ho Park would have been sent back to South Korea. Um, I think there's other players like, uh, I mean, they, they might have traded in Eddie Rosario and said, you know what, he's never going to get on base enough, and he's a fourth outfielder, and you might as well you know, trade at his peak value. And they would have signed about three relievers to just make it look like a major league bullpen. And they would have assumed that Glenn Perkins isn't going to come back as a closer. But they're, they're in full weight and see mode. It's obvious that not only with the major league roster, but just building out... It seems to me like building out a foundation throughout the minor leagues and throughout the front office, A, wasn't going to be an overnight process, which is obvious, but B, is their top priority. And then once they have a foundation and a structure and framework, you'll see a lot of changes on the major league roster. This starting rotation, Irvin Santana, Hector Santiago, Kyle Gibson, Jose Barrios, Phil Hughes, when you start contending... The only guy who's still going to be in this rotation of the guys I just mentioned is Jose Barrios. The only guy. I don't I don't even think Kyle Gibson is in a contending rotation unless he's a number 5 starter, number 4 starter in 2 or 3 years from now. As as like a 30 or 31 year old. I'm glad you brought up the building out process because so I said I had two points. Forgot the second one. Yeah. I mentioned that some guys might improve, and then I was like, wow, that was my other point. And I should you, get you a pen and paper while you, I ramble. You can write down the points <laughs> yeah. you're going to make. You, How about you, you record what you want to say, yeah. I'll record what I want to say, and we'll just like blend them together. Wait, wait, I'll, I'll email you the file. That way you don't have to meet in person for the Touch Em All podcast anymore. It'll be great. We can still touch all of them, but we'll just do it from a distance. Um, there's probably, God, there's probably the teaser for this episode. I just picked it out there 10 minutes in. Um... I hate when I accidentally stumble into one of those statements, and I'm like, I know this is going to get pulled up front and be like the advertisement for the episode. <laughs> we'll still touch all of them. We're just going to do it from a distance. Okay, great. You're funny. Um, the the thing I was going to say about process is that that's also reflected in the way they're doing their front office. Like, I think there are a lot of fans that interact with me on my Twins Facebook page that are cheap plug, Derek Wetmore MLB. Thank you. That's the second cheap plug on the podcast so <laughs> well, far. There'll be more. And we just haven't even around. gotten to the mid-roll yet. <laughs> just stick around, man. Um, I think that they've sort of approached this methodically and thoughtfully, and I think that's irking some people. I think there are Twins fans who've responded um, on that wonderful Facebook page talking about how do you not take over a 103-loss team trade a bunch of players, side a bunch of free agents, and blow up the front office and start over. And 
maybe I'm just being too, um, well, naive is not the right word. But Pollyanna? Too, I don't know. Um, maybe. Yeah, a little. Like, Pollyanna's not saying quite what I want to say. I just, like, maybe I'm being not reactive enough. I, I tend to be, oh, hey, there's uh, there's this event that happened, and sit back and think about it rather than say, oh, here's this event. Here's what we must do. And to me, the twins did the right thing. Uh, this is, I'm specifically talking about Derek Falvey and Thad Levine when they took over. They've sort of slow played everything, and I think that's the approach. Uh, I'm reading between the lines here. They haven't explicitly said this, but what I get the sense is rather than tearing it all down on you know November 2nd and trying to say, all right, now let's go find 15 front office members, uh, three free agent starting pitchers, a starting catcher, and we'll get a veteran outfielder and some bullpen arms. Um, they've basically not been hyper-reactive. They said, okay, uh, well, we got the first pick in the draft next year. Let's change the scouting director. And they did that very quietly, kind of behind the scenes. They promoted Darren Johnson to scouting advisor. He that's was their a, scouting that's director. That's an air quotes promotion. I think that's more of a well, lateral lateral move to to, I, to, to change up the uh, decision making. So I, th- I thought that too at first. I thought this is more like a demotion. Uh, in talking with some people behind the scenes, it actually isn't. It's not like I, – I, I know they're going to frame it as a positive, of course, but like – there's no way around the fact that they are getting fresh eyes. They are putting someone new in charge of the top overall draft pick. And that's an important move for the Twins. It's not going to get a lot of fanfare, but it's a change they made. I also just don't think you were going to go get 15 qualified front office members to want to come join the Twins in November. You know, like like Jed Hoyer's got a pretty good gig. You know, and I think you could say that about a lot of different levels of the organization. So what they've done is said, all right, Rob Anthony, you did a pretty good job with the trade deadline in sort of sticky circumstances. You know, your longtime boss and friend gets let go and you got thrust into the role. I think Rob Anthony acquitted himself pretty well at the trade deadline. And, uh, you know, he was sort of the point man for the transition from rob's tenure as interim to falvey levine they said all right you are our assistant general manager and you're gonna you're gonna be expected to do all the things that we would expect it's not like they've brushed him aside and said um all right well you were part of the old regime we're just waiting to get somebody well, new I, part of the reason why they didn't fire a lot more people i mean they didn't really fire they fired a couple coaches i mean tom bernanski is gone and mm-hmm. they were so understaffed to begin with one of the first that. things that happened, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine walk in and they and they say, "Wait, you have one person doing those three things? No, you need three people to do those three things." So it just it piggybacks off your point, yeah. which is instead of just starting all over, let's let's see if we can let's see if we can add a piece or two here or there, and right. then spend a full year weeding out um, you know what works and what doesn't. Yeah. So I'll make a I'll put a bow on my long winded point here. But first, a little steam. I feel like I feel like Darren Dookie Wilson on another podcast, The Scoop. Um, That's the third cheap plug of the podcast so the far. The Scoop okay. Podcast. We if might you need like, to stop now. I think Paul Molitor is on the latest episode of The Scoop Podcast. You can find that on iTunes and Podcast One. What I'm going to say is that I've heard just kind of behind the scenes that Derek Falvey has really been as advertised with when he said that he was going to be collaborative and Pat Royce made fun of him up and down for using that word 150 times. 
He has been. He's thrown his arms around a bunch of different departments and said, okay, cool. How, how do you do your job? How can we maybe do it a little bit better? How can we how do we make decisions? And is it the best way to make decisions? And I want you involved. And he's empowering people at other levels. And that, I think, is the right approach. I think Derek Falvey, this is just my early, early impression. Um, I'll maybe amend this if, I, if, if things change. But I think Derek Falvey could be a CEO in another industry. I don't think he needs to be like a baseball executive. I think he has the right sort of uh, mental approach to what his position should be as the overseer of this thing. Now, we'll see. He's very inexperienced in that role. Um, but the bow on my point is that I think the Twins are sort of doing that everywhere. I think they're doing it on the roster. I think they're doing it in the front office. I think they're basically going to say, okay, we're taking over. We're getting a bit of a late head start. We might have to make some changes eventually. But right now, we have what we have. Let's learn as much as we can. And let's put every single person in a position to succeed. And then at that point, if that person still doesn't succeed, well, that says more about the person than about the system. But I think the twins were smart to be patient instead of saying, you haven't succeeded in this role before. They came in and said, all right, let's give you the resources to succeed. And then we'll see where we're at 12 months from now. Yeah, it's also just a pain in the ass to have to to hire 15. Baseball front offices are so much more high maintenance now than they've ever been before. Yeah. Hey guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades. And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Paps Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Paps Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Paps Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. I'll give you another inside ball scenario. The Twins, much like other progressive teams, or much like progressive teams, I don't think the Twins have been very progressive uh, in the last 10 years, but the Twins have an internal database, an internal scouting and statistical database that is, f- is far behind in terms of the years it's been active uh, other organizations. I mean, this thing is within the last few years. It wasn't like they were working on this in 2008, 9, 10. Other teams had these databases in 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So they're a few years behind the curve in terms of when they started to build it, what's you know, the information that's in it, and all these things. If you were to come in here and start all over and get rid of everyone, are you going to? You can't take the database from Texas. You're going to get sued. I mean, you can't. Right. You can't take. Look what happened when uh, was it Jeffrey the Cardinals Luno? guy who tried to log in to see if the Astros, Astros database, right? If the if the Astros haven't changed their password, so, you may take their database. right. So something as simple as, hey, the Twins have been building this database internally for the past few years. Well, you might as well take that and then make it better, or just expand right. upon it. And to do that, you need some of the people who have been involved with it on the scouting end, on the analytics end. 
something like that. That's really inside baseball. And, um, you know, could you just start from scratch and build your own and get your own developers in here and things like that? Of course you could. But that's a decision they made. They said, we may need to beef up this department or these departments, whether it's scouting or analytics, but let's take what you've built already and then just make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a decision that they actively made behind the scenes in October, November, December. That's right. Uh, I think as soon as Falvey got the job, he probably made the decision. You know, he's he's going to be starting from behind the eight ball in terms of just the calendar. Uh, maybe that is the right play. I think I said as much at the time, and now as we sit here in the middle of January, I'm a little more convinced of that. I'm I'm very wary of falling off into this um, groupthink, I think is the way I'd like to put it. This groupthink mentality that says the Twins lost a lot of games that last year, therefore their players aren't any good. I think that you need to be a little bit more patient than that. I'm not... And this is not me preaching from a, the top of a soapbox telling fans, have patience, this will work. I don't know that it'll work. And it's not my job to tell you that it will. I'm not trying to sell hope for the future of the Twins. I just say, as I look at this objectively, as an outside observer, I think they have some good things going for them. Now, will it work out? Will it not? Who's to say, fast forward five years and tell me what happened, then I'll know. But I think... We're so quick, and this is especially um, this is especially on social media where you see this stuff all the time. That Sano can't play third, so he's got to be a DH for the rest of his career and trade him. Somebody suggested in my Facebook Live video today how long before the Twins trade Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano. And I'm like, what is this speculation coming from? The person followed up with. Well, they usually give up on prospects, so it's not long before they give up on these guys, too. And I just don't think that's fair at all. I think we don't know anything about Derek Falvey as the lead executive. I think we know very little about Thad Levine as the general manager. How do we know what they're going to do, how they're going to perceive even Miguel Sano's value, let alone whether they're going to actively look to trade a 23-year-old potential star slugger? I think that's just far too premature. So... To, to circle back on the point I was making is that 2017, to me, I know you made fun of me for this, but I'm going to stick with it. 2017 is a learning year, and that should be their rallying cry. I want to learn, if I'm the Twins, can Miguel Sano play third base? Can he be an everyday third baseman in the big leagues? It's been a learning decade for the Cleveland Browns. Yes, very well. It'll be a learning uh quarter century for the Timberwolves too well and when you're the Cleveland Browns and you go through 37 different quarterbacks I know it's going to be hard no matter what but I uh, I would be buying Brown stock right now didn't they hire the uh, deep Podesta yeah that, uh, to be there I'm not buying any of that guy. they hired a potentially failed baseball executive to yes. be their football yes. front office leader you've got have fun with that you've got stock selling for a penny right now and if if they go bust you lost a penny okay so you're buying that stock <laughs> yes. all right you know, whatever yes well my, again my time is valuable <laughs> yeah. i can only have so many stocks in my portfolio i was gonna say again let's fast forward five years and see if that stock actually paid off um i'm just making leveraged bets. What I'll say about the Twins and their learning, I think that you've got to look up and down the roster and do this same thing. Miguel Sano, can you play every day at third base, at least a league average third base? And can you stay healthy doing that? And if you can, awesome. Right, but You've I, got a I, potential star. I think the reason why you get comments like that, and it's it's not Falvey and Levine's fault because they just got here, why are we not already knowing the future of Miguel Sano at third base to some extent? You know, like what... 
this is they, they were caught for so many years and they were and they sort of teased everyone and even themselves last year by coming close to contending for that that second wild card spot um they just they've been they've been caught in this middle ground of should we contend should we blow yeah. it up we get they were the, the stadium they were the 8 and 8 NFL team uh yeah 9 and 7 they were the rams they were the St. Louis and Los Angeles Rams for a long time i mean fans are mad because a, why don't you know what, what Miguel Sano is? Like, why was he in the outfield for right. even five minutes last year? By the way, I totally agree with that. I think the Twins have really bungled this situation. I think mm-hmm. they've screwed up the Miguel Sano and the Byron Buxton development curve. But that wasn't Falvey, and I it wasn't totally agree. So that's totally my agree. only point, is that we, we, are, uh, we are assigning past transgressions to the current front office, and I'm not sure that's fair. Yeah, and then, um, you know, the other albatross, and we've— we can, we can get into this more later, too, but what do you do? You have a first baseman, but what do you do with Joe Maurer, who's under contract for two more years? Um, and these are all guys that – tell me, too, if you have some of these guys off of your 25-man roster projection. But um, Still haven't read it, huh? Byung-ho, I'm holding out. <laughs> Byung-ho, I'm holding out till we at least get closer to the start yeah, of the season to determine a roster. Yeah. Uh, Byung-ho Park. Who Rochester. Is, they signed Byung-ho Park. Not as this, in the future, he will be a part of our yeah, he's rebuilding process. They signed him coming off a year in which they were close to contending, thinking they would contend in 2016, and he couldn't hit major league pitching. I mean, he could run into a fastball once in a while. 30 years old, like you said. Mm-hmm. What's the, he's, a, he's a stopgap for whoever becomes your first baseman or DH in the future. And then Kenny Vargas showed some signs in September. Um Late bloomer, I guess you could call him. David Ortiz was a late bloomer, and they look a lot alike in terms of their stances and yeah, but and stuff like that. But I mean, what to me, all these guys are stopgaps to whatever is next, whether it's uh, someone that you draft or develop or someone you trade Brian Dozier for. And I just, I it feels so stale. Is my grand point on this podcast? Yes, the entire roster feels stale, and they didn't do anything really to change the staleness of the roster. So you're left with hope. And maybe the grand answer here is, well, yeah, that's just what 2017 is going to be. It's going to be kind of a stale roster. There's going to be a couple trades, and you're just hoping for the young wave to really show some flashes so you can supplement that at the trade deadline or next offseason, and maybe you take a big step forward in 2018. Right. But obviously at this point, they have no desire to take a big step forward in 2017 outside of the hope that your position players are going to get better. Because you're pitching – I mean that's that's a that's tough to sell that this pitching staff is going to be like a top fifteen staff. Tough sell up yes. and down from starting to bullpen. So I should clarify some earlier comments that like I'm not I'm not arguing against fans here. I totally get the impatience. I totally understand being mad. And somebody asked me on Twitter, isn't it depressing to project basically the same starting roster for a club that won 103 games? And my answer this this should help frame how I'm looking at this. It's not depressing for me because I'm not emotionally invested. So I empathize with people who are and who want to see a winning product this year. I totally understand where you're coming from. But I try not to get all alarmed and have these bells and whistles going off in my head that distract me from trying to analyze the team. I'm not emotional about this stuff. So for me, it 
is I, I'm just sort of a cold calculating robot, right? I've been called that before. And in fact, that's uh, maybe some of the best relationship advice. I like ever got. when your gal says, I love you and you just stare back at her. I say, I know <laughs> you should. <laughs> no, I would never say that. You probably should. As you should love I say, me. You probably shouldn't is the answer <laughs> uh, to me though. The baseball conversation, it just, it, it always comes back to um, fans have expectations of every year competing. And that's frankly not that realistic. You come off a 103 loss season, are you expecting to win the World Series? To me, I think if you can look at it as a five-year window, it's probably a healthier approach. Like, does that make watching games in July this year less appealing? If you if you know in spring If I told you, Phil, I'm from the future. The Twins don't win the World Series in 2017. They're there's one segment of fans who would be like, okay, fine. Then I'm going to I'm going to watch Vikings OTAs because I don't care about baseball if they're not going to win the World Series. I, I think if you framed it as playoffs as the line, not not World Series. Because uh, here's what I'm I from say. a very murky future. I can't tell you well, exactly. Well, what's here's what I would say. I would say if you framed it as, hey, Phil, they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, I would be hooked if it was a playoff run just because it's interesting. If you framed it as, Phil, they're not going to make the playoffs, I'd still be interested knowing that I'm watching Byron Buxton, Miguel right. Sano. At the end of last year, I would flip away. Like I would watch the Twins if I knew that Byron Buxton was coming up or Miguel Sano was coming up or Max Kepler for an at-bat or if Jose Barrios was starting. If, it was, if Buxton grounds out and Kyle Gibson's on the mound... I'm gone for 45 minutes, and then I'm sure. coming, and then I'm coming back for his next step. Sure, bat. yeah. That that was my attention span with the Twins last year. Totally, totally understand that. Totally empathize with that. Um, I was watching the Twins last year when Pat Dean was starting, so that's oh. where I'm coming from. Is that? Uh, no offense, Pat Dean is a great guy, but it's just great. not a great guy. But that's the classic. A lot of Twins players. Classic the last uh, six years. Classic Minnesota compliment. He. We should do a whole a really episode great on guy. great guy, but yes. Twins players the last six years. So Mike Pelfrey uh, would be, would be up there on that. Um, it, Luke Hughes was a great guy, but Trevor Plouffe. Uh, he's a decent player, though. Yeah, but he never. I mean, he was a first round pick too. Like, what? How much has yeah. he really materialized? And then they non tendered him. Like. Yeah, that's a good point. Great guy, but so to me, it's you, you balance the immediate want to win with the understanding that like it's a multi-year process. It just doesn't happen right away. I think that, and and, and this might help uh, explain where I'm coming from too. I think this Twins team will win 75 or 80 games this year. If they don't trade Brian Dozier, I think this team could sniff 500. This is an potentially an 80 win Twins team. And some people are going to hear that and say, wow, they're not a postseason team. And other people are going to hear that and think, whoa, we're going to get 20 wins better? Yeah, the, the thing is, when you're, when you're watching a 75-win team without context, it's not that great. It looks watch, bad. It's usually, bad. Depending, unless it's the Rockies I said in that. some of those years where they're just hitting bombs I all over the place. I said that two years ago when people are like, oh, but this team's almost in the playoffs, and they're a 500 team. And I'm Actually, like, this you, is not that fun to follow. This is, a, this is such a side tangent, but one of my favorite experiments with batting average and team wins, because people always act like, oh, my gosh, a, a 300 hitter and a 260 hitter, it's like such an, a, a huge gap and uh, a team that wins – 87 games versus a team that finishes below 500. Oh my gosh, like the gap is so wide. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, if you didn't have any access to statistics or win loss records or standings over the course of six months, I guarantee you couldn't eyeball the 300 hitter versus the 270 hitter or the 90 win team versus the 82 win team. 
unless you think you can eyeball one game out of the month, those teams win right. versus lose, right. or the one ground ball that snuck through every other week or whatever the math says on that uh, every week. Um, it's Baseball is the ultimate takes time to play out sport. So yes. uh, it's fitting that that's the Twins' approach this offseason. Let things play out over the long run. Yeah, learning season. Learn, they should have some sort of slogan and, and give us royalties for this. Make a couple T-shirts that 2017 is a learning experience. And about our podcast, I think people will say when it's all said and done, Derek and Phil, those guys were in great guys, <laughs> but 